I can only imagine what kind of visual shock that is going from our beautiful sanctuary to, to my home. Now, the truth is I missed the recording on Saturday night when staff and volunteers gathered in the sanctuary to record for Sunday morning. My daughter was on the way to back to Chattanooga and had a, a tire blowout. And uh, so that kind of changed our afternoon and evening. But I'm glad that we have technology where uh, I can share with you for you this morning, for me, Saturday night. We're in this worship series called The Chosen, where we are paralleling our Sunday mornings with the episodes of The Chosen Season 1. Today is episode two. The, the title of that episode is Shabbat, and it has to deal with this notion of Sabbath. Now, I'm not going to talk about the episode. That's for you to watch and enjoy. And, and each week I'm developing a discussion guide for small groups. And if you would like a copy of that, just shoot me an email. I'll be glad to add you to the list of those who I'm sending that out to. Our story starts. Creation is called into existence. With word, creation happens. Seven days of creative order, habits, habitats, and rulers of habitats. Humanity is created in the image and likeness of God to rule over, to be fruitful and multiply, to fill the earth. All the authority that comes so far is given and belongs to humanity. On the seventh day, when it is finished, God rested. God is done. Everything in order, everything in its place, and resources to live in this perfect world. So I want to invite you to take a deep breath and let it out. It's done. It's all in its place. Rest. In the ancient Near East, when a king had everything in order, the enemies were defeated, domain under control, relationships sound, the people secure, resources available. That was known as a time of peace, a time of shalom. And then the king rested. When the world when the king's kingdom is perfect, peace, shalom, the king rested, the king stopped. On the seventh day, everything is perfect. Peace, shalom, and God stopped, and God rested. In Genesis 2, the word sabbat is used instead of the more standard word, Hebrew word for rest. This catches the reader's attention, and it moves us forward some many years to a mountain, a mountain where the Shabbat ordinance was given. I want to ask you to join me there, Exodus 20, verses 8 through 
11. Grab your Bible and join me there in Exodus, the second book of the Bible, Genesis and then Exodus, Exodus chapter 20. We're going to read number four of the top 10. Number four about Sabbath is the longest of the 10 commandments, and it forms a transition from our relationships with God to our relationships with one another. If you remember that the Hebrews had just been rescued from slavery, their only value was the quality of labor that they could produce before their bodies gave out. For some 400 years, they had been slaves. They may have been given a holy day or two a year, but they worked every day of their lives from early childhood until their broken bodies laid in the ground. And now this God who has rescued them, who calls them his own treasured possession, is about to give them a gift. Let's discover that gift together. It's Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work, you, your son, or your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock, or the alien resident in your towns. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but rested the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. It's interesting when we moved to this new house that we're in, we had to buy a refrigerator. And this was back during COVID when refrigerators and freezers were, were hard to find. Some of you uh, remember that and experienced that yourself. We didn't go with the top of the line refrigerator where from the grocery store, you can uh, have your refrigerator with a video camera, take a picture of inside and, and send it to you at the grocery store so you know whether you need milk or not. Uh, but, but it's the refrigerator we have is the most fancy refrigerator we, we've ever had. I'm, I'm okay with filling ice trays and, and breaking it. Uh, this one makes ice. What stands out to me about this new refrigerator of ours is it has a Sabbath mode. <laughs> I can I can put my refrigerator in Sabbath mode, so it doesn't have to work. It's interesting that this commandment Exodus twenty. I ask this question: Why was this commandment not given at creation? when humanity was told to be fruitful, to multiply, feel, subdue, have dominion. One scholar points this out, that before the fall, Genesis 3, work was appointed, and it did, it did not interrupt the blessedness of God. 
So Adam and Eve's work pre-fall was appointed and did not interrupt the blessedness of God. After the fall, work became related to anxiety-producing, perspiration-inducing fear. We saw that a few weeks back in December when we were looking at the word shalom, Jesus is our peace. So that anxiety-producing, perspiration-inducing fear is consequence of the fall. And now Sabbath rest is needed. It's a day of repose elevation of your spirit, a foretaste of blessedness into which the people of God are at last to enter. Or more directly, the fall was so severe, it broke so much that Sabbath is now needed where before it wasn't. A tale is told of two wagon trains headed west on the American frontier, the Oregon Trail. One wagon train traveled seven days a week, the other six days a week, taking one day to stop, to rest. Which wagon train made it to Oregon first? I hope you guessed the one that stopped and rested had Sabbath. For a season of time, there was a, a manufacturer who was running their crews 12 hours a day, seven days a week. And this went on for months. When I talked to a few of the employees, I noticed that their eyes were hollow. They were exhausted. Their families were suffering. They had money in their accounts from all the overtime, but they were poor, poor of spirit. Their eyes being windows into their souls, they were poor of spirit. It became easy for Sabbath observance to become legalistic. More rules than one could possibly bear. One source I found Name 39 types of forbidden work on the Sabbath. Carrying, reaping, harvesting, threshing, erasing, washing, sewing, tanning, building. I remember my grandmother on the way to church sometimes would comment about laundry being hung out to dry on Sunday. Fast forward some years from the biblical text, and some of us remember and recall blue laws restricting shopping and sale of certain items on Sunday. That, that's all but gone in most communities. Legalism chased Sabbath like a hound, keeping it gaunt and haunted. And now today, the great killer of Sabbath in, in our society, in our lives, is simply busyness. We are in such a hurry and so busy that hurry has become a disease and an addiction. We move from one checkout line to another because it looks shorter because we're in a hurry. 
We count cars in front of us coming to a red light to get in the shortest lane because we're in a hurry. We multitask to the point of forgetting one of the tasks because we are in a hurry. Hurry has become a form of violence on our souls. Over busy, hurried life of speed is toxic to our souls. The reality is that, that we are biodegradable containers whose labor is anxiety-producing, perspiration, fear-inducing, and hurry has us captive by demand of our culture. Sabbath, to stop, to rest one day a week is subversive to our culture. Our culture's busyness, hurry, agenda is leading us toward, if we're not already there, irritability, hypersensitivity, restlessness, workaholism, emotional numbness, out-of-order priorities, lack of self-care, escapist behaviors, slippage of spiritual disciplines, and isolation. Jesus's agenda is different. The way of Jesus is often subversive to our culture. Have you noticed that as you follow Jesus, that the more you follow Jesus, you, you read his words, you do what he says, you find yourself in this tension that's subversive to our culture. If we're going to follow Jesus, we need to get used to being subversive to our culture. Get used to not fitting in. Get used into doing things different. Get used to standing out as peculiar. Matthew illustrates Jesus's agenda in the first chapter. 14 generations from Abraham to David. 14 generations from David to the exile in Babylon. 14 generations from the exile to the Christ. That is six sevens of generations, making Jesus the beginning of the seventh seven. God rested on the seventh day. Sabbath is one day and seven, a day of rest. Jesus, the seventh seven, is the Sabbath of Sabbaths, a foretaste of the final rest that all will have when God renews the earth. Rest comes to us through Jesus. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you Say it with me wherever you are, and I will give you rest. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. In Christ, you are loved and affirmed to eternity. In Christ, you don't have to prove 
yourself to him or to anyone else. In Christ, you don't have to make a name for yourself, for he knows you and he calls you by name. In Christ, we have rest from the pressures of performance and reputation because we belong to him, grafted into his body, part of his family. In Christ, we can stop seeing culturally defined significance and victory because Jesus has won the victory and has sat down at the right hand of the Father. While all that is true, our bodies yearn for a Sabbath to stop, to rest, to lie fallow, to be restored a sacred rest built into the rhythms of life, into the rhythm of the week. Sabbath is, is time off the wheel. When we take our hand off the plow, and we let God and the earth care for things. For you, it might be a full 24 hours. That would be a Sabbath day. For you, it might be part of a day, a morning or an afternoon or even an hour for whatever the length, that period of time, that day, it looks different than all the other days of the week. I've read numerous books and articles and heard speakers at conferences on Sabbath being a part of the weekly process, the, the weekly pattern of life. There's one that stands out, this article, and it's titled Confessions of a Former Sabbath Breaker. The picture accompanied with the article is three portrait pictures of the article. There's the left side. There's the author facing, and then there's the right side of the author. And each of those portraits has a number at the bottom. He's being convicted of being a Sabbath breaker. He offers a way to remember Sabbath. And it's so profound. I want you to move to the edge of your seat wherever you are. And I want you to sit up straight. Move to the edge of your seat. Sit up straight for this, this profound way to remember Sabbath. And if you're a note taker, get your pen and your paper ready. But I think you're going to be able to remember this. So edge of your seat, sitting up straight, ready to hear this profound way to remember Sabbath. Here it is. It's two words. Praying and playing. Eugene Peterson says that these two, praying and playing, cannot be omitted if you're to have Sabbath. In the article, he concludes with this, Christian serious about the redemption of a devil-harassed society and advertising our Lord's invitation to all who labor and are heavy laden can hardly begin better than by acting with their Sabbaths that carve out time for a long, loving look at Christ and his creatures. <clears throat> I'll continue. 
This cannot be accomplished by pander assault, bully preaching, or blue laws. But as a few Christians in a few churches, in a few communities in America keep Sabbath, pockets of resistance are formed that provide access to leisure and loving time for the people around them. In the same way that national parks preserve access to the beauties of the wilderness space, these pockets of hidden holiness preserve our American days and keep each week accessible to creation work and resurrection appearances. This is how Judy and I started some years ago. We sat down and made a list of what we consider to be work. And that list ranged from checking email and sermon preparation to doing dishes and laundry and mowing the yard. Now, I know for some of you, mowing the yard is therapeutic and it's not work. At the time for me, that yard was some work. And then we made <laughs> the agreement that on our shared Sabbath day, we would not do those things unless, of course, the ox was in the ditch. A few years past, we've regressed some, we've improved some, we've made some changes, we've neglected some areas, but it was a start to get us going and keep us going. So whether your Sabbath can be a day or a part of our day or an hour to start with, just make a list of what is work and then don't do that for that period of time. Replace that with praying and playing. Recently, as in like today, uh, we read an article about Sabbath and there was an image that brought Sabbath to a, a new level, a new understanding. It's another understanding of Sabbath. The Sabbath is a date day between Jesus and his bride, the church. Sabbath, a date day between Jesus, his bride, the church. For you to sit one whole day a week, 24 hours to honor God, is to be humble, is to be grateful. Is to be a recipient of God's grace. The Sabbath is the taste of the world the way it should be. And one day it will be. The Sabbath is subversive to the world as the world is. The fallen world does not know what to do with Sabbath, with a stop day. One author writes, Sabbath is an eternity, but it's close. It's kind of a precinct of heaven. A well-kept Sabbath is a dress rehearsal for the things above. In finding the rest of God now, we prepare for the fullness of God one day. I want to share with you two Sabbath blessings. 
one the Jews used then and they use now. You'll hear these words when you watch episode two. It's words that help us remember. It's this. Blessed are you, Lord our God, ruler of the universe, who creates the fruit of the vine. Amen. Then I'll hold the patent that holds communion bread. Blessed are you, Lord, our God, ruler of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. Amen. On this day that we had to make a tough decision to not hold in-person worship, go ahead and make that list of work and don't do that today. Spend this day praying and playing. For some, you need to set your cell phone down. For others, you need to turn your TV off. Date day of Jesus and his bride, the church. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we just thank you for the gift of Sabbath. We know that you are Lord of the Sabbath. For all those excuses, Lord Jesus, that we come flooding into our minds of why we can't have a Sabbath day. Holy Spirit, teach us. Teach us to have a Sabbath day of stopping and resting and enjoying the fruit of labor, enjoying the presence of the creator, the one who gives us the fruit of the vine, the one who brings forth bread from the earth. In the most powerful name that we can ever utter from our lips, I pray, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Amen.